You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. In today's episode, we are recovering the coaches on the couch where we spoke about the returning to swimming and what we have learned since then. This one will be hosted by Coach Philip and Coach Alan, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Have fun. Good evening and uh, welcome to Coaches on the Couch. Uh, this evening, it's myself and Alan, and we're going to be talking to you uh, about what we've learned about swim coaching since, uh, well, I guess we've got back to swimming about four weeks ago now, uh, open water in two weeks um, in terms of the swimming pool race stuff. So uh, we're, we're going to have a have a kind of a, an informal kind of open chat. But I guess unusually for us um, as, as coaches, what we're going to first of all do is just sort of give a little bit of background about ourselves as, as swimmers, because it helps bring in a little bit of context, which with a lot of people, except for the elites, never having swum or not having swum for what since if you're lucky december um was when things sort of opened up wasn't it and then before that it would have been before november so october potentially so there's there's a real chunk of time now that's sort of six months plus where people may not have actually really been that uh, much in the waters and um yes we had a few lockdowns and everything but let's just have a little bit of a conversation around sort of setting that scene from ourselves as well as the coaching aspect because we, we both love coaching but it's important i think to sort of set that up as well so Alan, you were um, you kind of got into coaching through swim teaching, uh, I think. Uh, so you've been swim teaching at that very kind of elementary children and adults uh, level, the ASA, and then you've also done lifeguarding and open water lifeguarding, as well as obviously swim coaching and triathlon coaching as well. If that is a sort of summary of where your coaching kind of experience went. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty deliberate move on my part. Um, I think. So a long time ago since I got my level two British triathlon qualification. But after, after that, you look at it and go, well, you have to build, as as you know, but to explain to then to go to the next qualification, you have to build up X amount of experience. And for me, I wasn't willing to sort of sit around and do nothing. And at the time, I was coaching the swim sessions for a triathlon club. Most triathlon clubs, the session that they pretty much always have is swimming. Some will have running as well. A few will have cycling as well. It's obviously a little bit more complex to arrange um, with it being out on the road. Um, so, yeah, I picked up swimming teaching and it happened, you know, at around the same time also worked, worked as a beach lifeguard and then picked up some swimming teaching work, you know, to gather some deli deliberate experience. I did that for quite a number of years on and off everything from three-year-olds up to 83-year-olds. And, and then as a swimmer yourself, you're not slow is probably a fair representation. Um, I mean, you, you, you swam sort of 51, 50, 50 in, 51 yeah, Brian yeah. Man, I think. And, and in the lazy kind of... river, in the lazy river in Ironman Wales there. Like, <laughs> so fair, fair enough. There's a bit of an asterisk. But still, still though, you, you're just definitely kind of under the hour mark for a for an Ironman swim, sure. which is a good good marker and, and comfortably so. Quite regularly, kind of uh, one of the first um, swim packs coming out of the water. Obviously, not necessarily the the Lucy Charles and the fish amongst us, the Hannah Mondays. But um, you know, you're certainly a competent swimmer, both in in the pool and also open water. Um, and from from my point of view, I, I didn't take the the kind of the swim coaching route that Alan took at all. I was uh, coming into it from triathlon coaching uh, but I guess got lucky with swimming and um, and just really enjoyed uh, well, I guess it was, I was always very comfortable in the water but I, I kind of enjoyed swimming and um, uh, put myself at, I guess in a similar swimming position to yourself so under that hour mark uh, for the Ironman swim and sort of kind of happy to sort of sit in one of the early packs in, a, in any of the triathlon races obviously put either of us up against swimmers and we we're uh, we're looking very much land-based, um, but we'll we'll kind of hold our own <laughs> and, and wave the triathlete's flag, I guess, and, and try and surrender with them as well. It's probably a, a fair way of uh, putting uh, have, it. Having been poolside with some Olympic standard swimmers, I definitely am happy to say that there are 
a significant amount better but like for me like the the experience like working my way through obviously like early stuff on the in terms of the asa approach to learn to swim is quite important in terms of that that kind of model and there's some things that i really like in that and i still use to this day and there's some things that i don't agree with and then also the same with other models total immersion swim smooth there's some things that i really like and some things i don't like and i know and i know we're going back over 10 years here and i know those were certainly swim smooth itself have sort of changed their approach and admittedly that and so have i i've definitely changed and evolved my understanding over that time and obviously you come up against certain swimmers at certain points and you're a little puzzled as to what the barrier to progress is and it you just just by the process of trying to work it out obviously your, your understanding evolves over that time and the, the wider variety of swimmers and experiences you see then you know that that knowledge and understanding experience just develops um but yeah the perspective of how quick some of the summers when they go in water is uh, alarming and for me at the moment I don't know about you Philip but with the athletes that I work with I know uh, since we've gone back to the pool I have looked at looked at and covered footage with a third of the athletes that I coach remotely um, and I think there's a hunger from everybody out there in terms of looking at swim related information at the moment so hence our topic of conversation this evening well, hopefully it's well-timed and help, help some people. I mean, from from this perspective, obviously, we're going to look into what we've learned as coaches, but then also as athletes as well. Um, and I think you put a really good uh, program together in terms of, you know, let's return to, to swimming um, and how are we going to go around doing that and, and kindly made a, a, a training plan as well for free for people just to pick up and, and follow. It would be great if you could just sort of go through what you were kind of suggesting as a, as a return back into swimming um so people can kind of have a feel for what that could look like and what you know we, we've suggested i guess from a tri training harder point of view is is the best practice and um, so this the sort of the start of the plan was to make sure they weren't making any assumptions around what kind of condition you're in he says leaning over his desk um thinking my shoulders are sore <laughs> I've having just been swimming myself before doing this this uh, this recording, um, so yeah, just to do a check in terms of a bit of MOT of where you're at, and I think you know most people have some awareness of sort of how how their upper body's feeling, um, but but also then before you get to the pool, just a quick reminder in terms of what what your swimming sort of wants to look like. So jogging your memory, hence that kind of first for for swimming content. Uh, and then when you get to the pool to make sure that you try to wake up some of those um, those muscles that help you st uh, stabilize yourself, stabilize the boat, if you like, in the water. So trying to put some pre-swim activities in and then really just essentially working my way, if you like, in terms of session plans through that kind of those experience that I spoke about like so like the, the elements of learn to swim that I think are really really important so those basic building blocks and those basic building blocks are sort of fundamentals across any uh, model of swimming if you like um, and then trying to put into place practices where the the swimmers can do short repetitions so it's high quality so obviously fatigue is going to occur pretty quickly and then there'll be low quality repetitions so lots of short reps of high quality and really just to make sure that there's swimmers that are exploring their limits. Because one of the key things for me is the lack of familiarity with being in the water. Um, the, the muscle memory of athletes is gonna be pretty rusty. So we wanna try and, so I remember, so for like our coach development, one of the my favorite bits to write, if you like, was the skill acquisition. And the big thing with that is like, you know, if you, if you, if, darts is an easy example if you have your hand here and it goes sort of that way you kind of see where it goes in the dartboard and then by process of elimination you kind of try different angles and you work out which one's the right one to get the dart to go where you want to and it's kind of the same with all the basic movements of swimming so i think it's really important to explore a range of different practices in the water um, and that's not just doing 
uh, funny ballet-like movements in the water that uh, the coach spends 12 minutes explaining on poolside because it's so complicated. Sometimes it's as simple as making your arms go faster or making your arms go slower or kicking or not kicking. Um, or <laughs> right, So one of the ones is... is um, is it what's it is um stroke stroke length variance and part of the set in that is a progression in the amount of strokes that you're able to take a length so it starts at four strokes for a length and goes up to 20 and a common question i've set that for a few athletes you know how do i do four strokes of length and I've, I've ignored the question i said work it out and because uh, I want them to think about it and I want them to engage in their swimming. So for me, for me, I had a conversation with an athlete earlier today and talking to her, I was trying to uh, get across the point of when you're when you're alone in an open water swim in a triathlon, there's nobody there to help you. Your Garmin can't help you. Nobody can help you. You're kind of on your own. So you, you need to take responsibility for your own swimming. That's something that I feel is really important. And so you're going through that sort of exploration phase. Um, it sounds like you're almost playing with yeah, this one. Yeah, definitely. And I'd, I'd encourage that as well. I think, I think that's one of the things that um, maybe we, if, you know, given the introduction that you've given, have as um, an advantage is that, that confidence and comfort to, well, to mess about a little bit, like you say, play and not to have the, uh, the, the fear of doing something incorrectly it's oh, you know just messing about it doesn't you know you quite you have that slight relaxed attitude towards it which which can be a hindrance but also in some instances can help um yeah i guess one of the common questions that i've seen from some of my athletes is why am i only doing i don't know 16 times 25 meters or something like that i can do more you know what what's the point in just really making things quite short because i think i know the answer but i also think that some athletes might be skipping over that and missing missing that point for, for me it's just it's making sure the quality of the movements there if you you know if you're going through skill acquisition every time you practice something if you practice it badly over and over and over again you're going to ingrain that bad repetition that bad habit and like a saw cutting through wood the deeper that you make that cut the harder it is to back out of it so if you only if you ever take a, a shallow little cut with a saw you're you're not risking so much creating such a bad habit and it's kind of patience with that and just kind of dipping your toe into it a lot of good repetitions you know the same the same could be said at any point not just for now like if you're really tired from your other training you're better off going to the pool and just doing a short session like it serves the purpose of keeping the frequency of the training your muscle memory and familiarity with comfort in the water up but you don't then create bad movement patterns um you know there are times when longer swims and just continuous swims can be dead useful um but i don't i don't particularly think now is the time Especially when we, you know, we're not, we've not, no matter how much work you've done, dry land, conditioning, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever it is that you've done, it's not swimming. And you can't, because, because of the, the environment that swimming's in and the multi-plane kind of direction of movement that you've got going on is blooming hard to recreate. So we haven't got the condition. So doing really long repetitions of bad movement are asking for what? Injury or uh, continued bad technique, ultimately. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a, a really interesting point in that dry land, because, yeah, we, I mean, I've definitely set a lot of my athletes some of the dry land um, exercises to try and do. Mm. And I'm seeing two types of responses. One is I haven't done it because it's boring. And the other one is I'm really getting involved in it. And I think with that point of thirst of knowledge, a lot of the athletes who are very keen, but not necessarily renowned for their swimming, have really invested time in some of those dry land exercises and try to see how, like, 
because they, you've got that opportunity with the dry land stuff to be able to see what your hand's doing without worrying about drowning at the same time. And I know there's obviously differences between kind of being wet and swimming. And clearly, if you're stand, you know, if you're standing holding on to some bands, that's very different to actually activating your core in a in a swimming pool and being yeah. able to see the movement. But suddenly, when you're having, you know, if you've had all those conversations with a your coach on the side of the pool and they're saying you need to do this with your hand or what's your hand doing over here or are you aware of how your shoulders you, suddenly you can be like oh i'm doing this with my elbow or something like that put yourself in front of a mirror and you can suddenly see what you're doing and get that direct feedback which many other times in swimming never happened and i think one of the real opportunities now because we haven't got club swimming at least not indoors uh, club swimming until this in a couple of weeks i think 17th of may when indoor um, indoor coaching can take place so unless you're fortunate enough to have a coach open water an open water venue or you have a, an open water um, swimming pool there's no coaching going on which means there's no club sessions going on which means there's none of the I must rush through a session because it says I need to do 400 meters of warming up you've actually got the time now to focus on good quality movement not rush through and actually try and do do things properly which I don't think many triathletes have ever really had that opportunity before, partly because of the personality, which is I'm a triathlete. I want to do, you know, do swimming, get in there and go and go and endure distance. But also because if they do it in an environment where it's a club, you're never going to have the chance to, I guess, train with, with that deliberation. Cause you and I've seen people poolside go and do, I don't know, um, hundred, hundred meters of a drill, whatever drill that is. And the first person sets off and everyone behind is trying to keep up. Yeah, well, I think that, that like that part, that last point, there's two kind of interesting responses, isn't there? Because I think the the people who are doing the dry land have got a, a bit more optimism and a bit less potentially arrogance with regards to swimming. They they're like, I can I can get better at this. I can do better. I will do this. I can do this. I'm going to do this. Whereas potentially those that haven't done it are like, I don't need to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not interested in this. I'm not going to get any better. There's no point in this. And there's like, which way are those two things going? It doesn't mean to say the person who hasn't done it isn't wrong because actually they could have made a conscious choice to go, I don't want to do that because I've been swimming for years and well, frankly, a break from it would be rather nice. Mm -hmm. Or they've decided to concentrate on cycling or they've decided to concentrate on running or they've just taken a breather from it or either way. Like, you know, the, there's a deliberate choice in there that's totally okay. You know, triathlon's not mandatory. It's certainly not for age groupers. Um, he says, having, you know, done it mandatory for a very long time. Um, but, and then also what you say there at the end with regards to, like, the, the dry land stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I often think, you know, how, you know, there's this benefit with doing club sessions, but I think there's also a benefit from getting in a pool completely on your own with nobody because mm -hmm. of your last point. And I think maybe that, you know, the, the, um, the land-based exercises can sometimes give that closed environment where you're not distracted by competition. Yeah, I think the two, two, yeah, work independently and together as well, don't they? Because on the one hand, if you're in your own living room or um, wherever doing something with a band or focusing on some core stuff and kind of trying to work out how that fits into swimming, um, clearly you're, you're engaged with that and thinking about that. And it's very much in that deliberate practice, which you mentioned earlier, I'm trying to work out what my arm's doing and why I need to move it like that. And if I'm not understanding why I'm not, whereas if you go into the, um, uh, into the uh, the kind of the swimming pool environment if you if you are focusing again on what you're trying to do you're going to see the opportunity to actually try and bring that thought process up oh yeah that's what my hand should be doing and try and take that into into swimming and uh, yeah and, and not not racing or rushing or getting distracted yeah and I think like I said like I was uh, the saying about the conversation with the athlete earlier today I think that's really important because you you that habit is going to carry over and then open water in, in a race environment it's so easy to get completely distracted by everything else going on around you and forget what you're supposed to be doing which is your own swimming concentrate mm -hmm. on your own swimming especially as you know lanes are getting busier or will have been quite busy as everyone flocks back to the pool it's very easy to get back into that club environment again or feel that you can't do some drills or you can't take a break because someone's tapping your feet 
and it takes a real just level drop, of confidence. Just, just drop a lane. Yeah. If you, if you want to do stuff, just go slower, just go in the other lane and just be nice and share because, well, you're a good egg if you do that. You, know. you, you mentioned um, uh, arrogance as a word. I think it's a really interesting um, word to bring to the table because it's obviously yeah. got a level of negative um, connotations. You could flip that around and say it's confidence, um, <laughs> but uh, maybe misplaced confidence is uh, it's kind of a better way of putting it. And, and bringing that arrogance to the pool or not is sort of rocking up and thinking that you can do it. And I, I guess the problem that a lot of people have, and I'm actually probably guilty of this. I, I know I've jumped into swimming environments, be that, um, I mean, having taken a breakout and, you know, you, you know, more than, more than others how much of a breakout I have had, but I still will jump yes. in and do, <laughs> do some swim sessions and, and everything. And because I can get away with it, I, I know enough about what my stroke should be doing. I can get away with it and feel like I'm swimming okay and beating, I guess, other people but I'm never going to be beating myself and yeah. it's a it, it it's sort of a shortcut isn't it and I, and I know that feeling from from my own point of view that I can sit there and go well that's okay I, I, you know I, I was able to swim this you know what I wasn't at the back of the lane or I was able to kind of compare with this person and that's quite cool because I've swum for so many years and I'm really happy with myself but if you're really honest I'm not going to get any better and I'm probably yeah, gonna... yeah, and and like if I was coaching you, the conversation we'd be having about was complacency. Yeah, like well, good one. You did what you could do ten years ago. What have you been doing for the last ten years? Well, I couldn't oh. even do what I was doing ten years ago, and that's the point. Well, yeah, you, but yeah. You be be faster than some other people, but nowhere near what you can and do. That, so, so I think everybody is kind of, at the moment. I think from a few questions and conversations with you know athletes and people. Um, you know friends and stuff socially as well I think everybody at the moment is on a spectrum from that kind of arrogant like complacency end you know a bit presumptuous I guess uh, but also at the other end like real real uncertainty and doubt as to not really sure if you can or will be able to get back to where you were and almost nervousness and I think I think it's important to try and explore how, well, it, I've kind of given it away with a pun there, but it, to work out how to answer that uncertainty, but also there's kind of a, the middle of the sandwich, if you like. I think the people who are, can get away with it as well, I think it's really important that they cover their bases as well. I think that sort of assumption and just jumping back in and and sort of not dotting the I's and crossing the T's might might catch up with you at some point. It, I guess it depends how much training you're doing. You know, one session, I'm sure you can get away with it. But I think deep down it also depends on whether or not you're really wanting to perform to your best or if you're happy with just being good enough um, Big time. and, and getting, getting away with it. Um, you know, I've definitely had conversations with athletes who come from a swimming background and we've consciously made a decision based on the time that they have available to kind of reduce their swim load to a few sessions a month, you know, one or two a week at a, at a maximum so that they can focus on actually the area which might make a difference to their you know, triathlon performance. But there still is frequency there and we're still doing stuff to make sure they're not picking up injuries. And it's, it's just making sure that, you know, maybe if they want to then go and compete again, then we bring the swimming back in again if they've got the time. But it's it, there's always going to be a... Um, a balance needing to be found but i think at this moment in time with people coming back into the water we need to be really mindful of the fact that it's very easy to make shortcuts because we we all have been out of the water unless you're an elite performer we've all been out of the water for a very very long time um and yeah. so it is easy to just fall into bad habits on the flip yeah. side it's a real opportunity to make good habits because we've forgotten potentially a lot of the rubbish which we've done before but that's that's the thing like I think there's a process to all this and I say about 10 years ago having sort of changed my my mind on things from a coaching point of view but also from a being you know a swimmer myself point of view there's there's a path that I've gone through and I think that I need to look look back a little bit to try and think about things that I've covered not necessarily because I'm going to go back and do exactly what I've done. I might obviously change that going forward based on what I've learned, but 
I think like with some swimmers at the moment, it'd be a good idea to dust off certain bits of swim equipment that have not been used or to try new ones just to help give stimulus to, to like develop. So, you know, it, it could be that sort of before lockdown, you never really used fins because you didn't really feel like you needed them. But just going and just doing one session that has like some fin work in it or is like a kick set. It's just useful to go back and remind yourself where that is. And it might be that, you know, you never you've never tried, you know, like drag shorts or probably not the best thing to start with buoyancy shorts, probably a better place to start. But if you've never tried those, they might give a good little stimulus for development as well. Um, whatever fun bits of swim kit, snorkels, pool boys, bands, paddles, smaller paddles to start with would be my suggestion. And just, just you know, do a small amount of them in a session, use it to get some feedback to your own system. It's all good experience. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of putting it because it goes back to that point around play, which I know you and I love um, trying to help adults enjoy the sport through play rather than making it sort of too serious. And there's obviously a time and place for being a little bit serious, but um, having a fun environment, I think, is always one where people learn. Um, and yes, there are races coming up. And I know we had a conversation with coached athletes last a few weeks ago now. And one of the questions was, you know, I'm, I'm really scared of if I can get around and do the Ironman swim. And it was an early Ironman distance race. And those are fair, you know, very fair and very real concerns that athletes are going to have naturally. It doesn't have to be an Ironman. It can just be, I don't know if I can swim 750 meters for the sprint distance, which I've got coming up. Um, so whatever you do, kind of, there's going to be an element of trying to make sure you can do the bare minimum to get round. But if you can try and play and challenge yourself in different ways. So I like that idea of just take all your swim boys, swim toys to the pool, essentially, put them at the end and say, I'm going to do four lengths with little paddles. I'm going to do four lengths with just fins and try yeah. them in weird and wonderful and different ways, you know, do dolphin kick with fins or, and, and play and do things which isn't normal i had a couple of um, athletes and i've been trying to set you know just go there enjoy yourself follow your plan essentially um cheers and um i've had quite a few athletes sort of say oh i meant and just did like loads of paddle work and it's like well obviously there's the point around shoulders and injuries and kind of a questionable decision making process there but also that's quite a common thing that a lot of people reach to they're kind of their favorite thing that person i know loves doing paddle work so they just wanted to work with the paddle yeah. stuff do the stuff yeah. which you don't normally do partly because you're not where you normally are and partly also because it's an opportunity to do, do a few different things and try a few different options yeah there's kind of no one size fits all answer i think the the thing that i would say across the board is to is to limit the extensive hard work so I think little short bursts of quality of like fast effort are good. But I think we've just not got the condition in the water or or the mechanics to do like so something like five times four hundred at threshold would not be a good idea for pretty much anybody, bar those that have already been swimming. But something like, you know. 10 25s really blooming quick in the warm-up with loads of rest would be kind of okay and i just think that taking the approach of pushing things up rather than going above in terms of intensity and trying to yank them up like forcing it too much i think in terms of the technique but also in terms of just the training effect i just don't think it's necessary at the moment you're going to get so much by like so the guy that asked the question about the ironman swim yeah. all he's got to do is keep swimming for 3.8k so it essentially just needs to do 100 meters one week 200 meters the next week 300 until he gets to 3.8k and he's gold because that was his question can i get round? It doesn't really need to do the intensity, but in order to swim 3.8K, you need to be stable in terms of what you're doing. You need to be aerobically fit rather than kind of like threshold fit. And you just need to be quite strong because it's a long way to go. So for him, like some pool boy work, some paddle work, some long, like quite easy swims. Um, 
and some easy technique work are going to take him a hell of a long way. And that, for me, like the kind of like hurry, slowly kind of sayings would be a good one at the moment. And there's, um, I guess we're, we're talking a lot about that playing and technique and a bit of, I mean, the point around going fast as well, I think it's just to highlight something, your technique technique is usually better when you're going fast. Yeah. Not max, max effort when you're, you know, throwing your arms around and you're losing it. But if you're doing fast controlled work, you're probably going to have better technique and yeah. move better. Same in running, um, cycling. Obviously, it's difficult to change that because you're kind of screwed into the bike. But um, but you know your your form usually is a bit better when you're trying to go a little bit faster. So there's yeah. definitely no damage or or bad thing about doing it as long as it's not all fast work. Um, yeah, but- I think uh, for me, like I think something that looks said for a few years, but I think like doing a little bit of fast in every swim is good for that reason like this is the i think there's an obsession amongst coaches and triathletes that drills are the messiah and they're they're going to solve everything i don't i don't like them i like the idea of using the word practices because doing that in a session to me is a practice is is when an athlete reads the session plan if i put in 25 fast 75 easy they're like oh that's intervals there's an energy system purpose to that that's working on my threshold pace and you know da, 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 and that's it's not it's not why i put it in there i put it in there because i want you to practice swimming quickly because your form will be good and it'll wake your body up mechanically it's got nothing to do with the energy system or volume of training or tss it's it's nothing to do with that so i think seeing things in that way can be helpful as well at the moment um i guess that's quite a hard thing for athletes to do if they're um not really a, i guess wired to to think along no no hence saying it now yeah. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> um so i mean we, yeah we are talking a lot about that kind of okay well you know let's be quite um i guess gentle in, in our return to swimming it's sort of we're not we're not um diving in saying right here's here's a session we're doing 2100s um and then do some you know 10 400s or whatever these lovely big named people know some of those sort of classic sessions if they've been to enough group sessions they kind of they know what those big big workouts sound like and look like and red mist is a phrase which is often used so we're not we're not talking about diving literally back into those sort of sessions we're bringing things on quite gently repetition is going to be key like high frequency i know with the plan that you put together there was multiple sessions in a week which if you're a swimmer is normal if you're a triathlete very abnormal but at what point do you know that you're ready to start making that move back into what i guess triathletes i guess swimmers would recognize as normal style of swim training and i guess before that should you move back to normal style of swim training uh, yeah i mean you've got to get to a point where you actually do find out where you're at uh, that's the first barrier for me because you've got to lay a marker down. I don't think the first session back is a good place to do that. Some people will be tempted to do that. Um, but well, the, the frank answer to that is we, all, we know where we're at and it's rather rubbish compared to where we were before. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a fact. Um, so, you know, like you say, the question is how long, how long do you have? For me, I think touching a touch point with sort of each of the aspects that you could think of is an important thing to do before you go and do that. You know, have you have you sort of, you know, done your pre-flight checks, I guess, is maybe an analogy you could use. Um, I think it's, it's also about the mechanics of what you're trying to do. Are they gonna stand up to a reasonable degree? Do you think you can maintain it? Do you think it's worthwhile? You know, if you, if you think you're going to phase, you know, if you're going to go for a CSS style test and you could do 400, 200, if you can't get the, through the 400 without, a, you know, a significant fade, then it's, it's probably not worth doing. So I think, you know, for, for most people, if they wanted to build up to that style of test, then they would need to build up the increments of the, the harder duration of their swims. So starting at 25 and extending it out to 400. But I think, to be honest with you, I think some and some shorter test sessions would be better. So, you know, start, you, you can work your way to that kind of test by doing four 100s off a really strict 10-second turnaround 
it's 10 seconds it's not 11 it's not nine it's 10 you go um and just recording your time so that off the clock at the pool um and then you know revisiting that you know maybe maybe once every two weeks there's nothing wrong with trying that after a couple of weeks in the pool i think you know just as long as you're um uh, humble with regards to your pacing I think, I think we could i think we all know that everybody at that stage could go out like a hero on the first 100 but we're not looking for that it's far better to start off a little humble and finish a little stronger and then i think as we as we we were talking about this the other day with regards to cycling you you hone in on what you think you could do and it's better to take that approach and then you know when you get to 10 100 you, you know you can repeat that session I think it's quite easy for, I guess, good swimmers who've been able to swim and feel what it's like to say, I know I have other gears to, to play around with. Yeah. So they know they can dial into a threshold or a CSS pace. Yeah. They know what fast feels like. They know what sprint feels like. Yeah. They know what an aerobic kind of long distance steady state effort feels like. And they know what swimming really easy feels like. So if you, I, I kind of, if you're good, if you're a swimmer who's had those feelings before, I kind of feel yeah, yeah. That that's a really good place. That if you know that you can dial in, and say you use that as a ten, I'm going to do ten one hundreds as a as a really good benchmark. Yeah, and I'm going to try and hit that CSS pace. If you're hitting that CSS pace, it doesn't matter if it's twenty seconds slower than what you normally do. But if you know what it feels like, and you're delivering that, and the times aren't really falling off, yeah, it's the same feels. I think it's the same as the approach we spoke about with the coaches meetings a little while ago when we were talking about some of the sessions we're using. I was talking about using RPE for return to run. I think obviously with zones and paces and powers and all of this stuff, it's real tricky when you're returning from any any absence for any reason, be it injury, sickness, just a seasonal break, holiday. Um, the pool's being closed due to a pandemic not one that I thought I would ever say but anyway um you don't know where you're at and like training peaks your Garmin everything will tell you this is your threshold and you know it's a load of rubbish so like what do you do and I think you have to go back to perceived exertion and quite rightly you say I think this would be more challenging for a less experienced swimmer swimmer so I think you have to within the sessions one of the things that you have to explore is that is that gearbox developing a hard versus easy and obviously that would change depending on the distance that you're covering um and then you want to try and develop a gearbox so you, you need to i think a, a good session and it's rarely done is actually target trying to hit target times and so you're having a ladder of paces so try to deliberately swim two seconds slower each 100 down to say 12 seconds slower than you know what your normal effort pace if you like is so you're you're not easy your effort pace and then hope and then hopefully you go beyond where your easy pace is and then come back through your easy pace back to your effort pace and just by doing that experience of trying to do that you'll have to explore how you swim at different paces effectively in different gears so and you, you can push off the wall softer, you can make your arms go slower, you can kick less, you can recover your arms slower, um, you can glide a little bit more. That's a dirty word when it comes to swimming, but you can do it in order to really, really slow down if you must. Um, and I think that would be a really good experience to have. Um, I've lost sight of the question a little bit, so you, have to you can help me get no, that's, that's a really good point. I, I like the... I do like that kind of just swim a couple of seconds faster or slower each time and, and try and gauge that because I think going back to that as the question, which is how do you know when you're ready to, to kind of go back in towards more of those sessions? I think it, it is when you, when you are able to do those different efforts and you can see that they're different efforts and it's not sort of, I was thinking about, Oh, can you go two seconds slower? And like, that's the easy bit. <laughs> but the other side back up again, um, which is, it's then it's the control coming back up yeah yeah because exactly. like yeah i'm swimming 10 seconds slow and that's easy but now right now you've got to go up but you've got to do it down you know got to get a bob on two seconds and it yeah. you know a really good swimmer will be able to do that quite comfortably 
without without a clock, without a watch, anything. Just you know, you could be stood there on the poolside. Okay, Alan, I want you to do ten one hundreds. I want you to go one thirty, thirty two, thirty four, thirty eight, forty, and work your way back. Off you go. Yeah, and I, I guess with uh, two seconds on that sort of one thirty time is quite a quite a big chunk of time. But um, when you go to so say two minutes or two thirties, it, it might be you know five seconds or something. So you don't need to sit. It can be whatever chunk of time you decide. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. But I think for <laughs> I guess answering the question which we had last time um, is probably get that range. Can you can you see a range of paces which you can feel is different and then execute as being different? And that's a sign that you're probably ready to start moving into essentially normal style training as most of us know and maybe don't love but recognize um as as uh, triathletes and swimmers which is you're kind of going in there and doing more deliberate work and time at effort yeah um you're not allowed yeah. to cheat and use a tempo trainer for the uh for the old uh target that's naughty you're not allowed to do that but a tempo trainer is another good thing in terms of stroke rate variance as well doing the same kind of thing in terms of a ladder and just exploring that range yeah like whether your hand is here or here is not the only range with swimming there's a lot more that you can do hence my sort of bugbear about drills and practices um but also other strokes as well you know they do serve as purpose um uh, for me, like I, I want to draw people back to the three print, the three th sort of pillars, if you like, of swimming, which is uh, buoyancy, drag, and propulsion. That's it. There's an awful lot of, and we've done it this evening in terms of all the different topics that we've covered and the range. Um, the first one, if you're not very buoyant um, and you're not moving, well, then that's concerning because you know the lifeguard element may be involved so buoyancy is what most people have yeah so that's the easy bit the drag and the propulsion bit is kind of where more people are interested and where the questions lie but for me when i when i look at swimmers i always try and sum up what's going on in terms of those those three things um you know if they if they if quite it's quite commonly the case that you'll look at somebody and go well there's nothing really that much wrong with that um but they're not going very far okay well it's probably a lack of propulsion and then asking yourself why and then then you get into the detail of things but i think if people sometimes can come back to those three basic elements they can they can help themselves to move forward because it simplifies things and it makes it much more um much easier to focus on, much easier to understand, and they're you know much easier to 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 work on as well. I think like that's one of the things with the play as well, just floating in the water. Like it's real difficult. I know um, I saw a video of um, Fenella Langridge and her favourite drills on YouTube the other day, and she was doing a dead float where you just sort of limp in the water with your hands and legs dropped, but then coming up and holding yourself and just rolling the whole body over and then rolling it back whilst not moving forward or backwards. And it's something that you hardly ever see done in a swimming session. I think most people would lose their mind if the coach said, right, we're going to do floating. But I guarantee you, if the coach did it, only 10% of the swimmers would be able to do it, if that. And it's such a basic building block in terms of technique, and it's things like that. Other things, I think it's a really good time to go, do you know what? I'm going to learn how to tumble turn. I'm going to learn, I'm, or I'm just going to, but, or not even that, I am going to tumble turn. I am going to bilateral breathe. I mean, I don't believe that there's a, there's a right way to breathe, but I think there's a right way to learn to breathe. And bilateral breathing can help, help set you off on the right path for your swimming. So. I guess, as we know, that very few triathletes are outstanding swimmers if they've come to the sport not from swimming um so there's a chance that well there's beyond a chance there's a very very good chance that you have an opportunity to improve your swimming mm. and that will probably mean learning and doing something differently than what you've done beforehand so play have, have fun I love, I love that kind of let's let's tumble turn let's um breathe bilaterally if you can't do that already not because you need to in a race or anything you can argue oh well i only to do it one way more oxygen etc etc and we we know those discussion points but if you can do it that's another skill which you can add to your ability to play and move in the water which is useful yeah 
it's more it's more about having attitude and learning and that's that's where i went the, the the blog and the conversation we had with coach athletes a few weeks ago in terms of everybody's on a relearn to swim program like i think it's really really useful to look at the parallels so walk run on return to run is what why do we do 30 seconds walk and 30 seconds run it's coach to 5k you know it's it's not a straight it's, yeah it's all the same thing why when we ride a bike do we ride a and it, this is quite crazy but in my opinion everybody should ride a balanced bike first because that is the core fundamental skill pedaling is like the uh, the prima donna of the cycling world it's not actually that important it's just brute force and ignorance to turn pedals around but the the skill factor is being able to balance and we, we know that from bike handling sessions that we've done over the years and lots of riding out on training camps it's the balance that's the key thing you don't steer a bike by doing this you do it um i was watching a video actually it's uh, it's it's like vector thrusting or something on the tire as you get that actually makes your corner i can't remember it's dan biggin was talking about the other night but um it does all of those things that we think about like walk run is the most obvious one it's all of those principles applied to swimming so that's a great place, I guess, to finish that topic of that return to swim, relearning swimming program, which again, if anyone wants to, they can go and check it out on the, uh, on our Try Training Harder blog um, on that, uh, I can't remember what the title is, I think it is The Pools Are Reopen or something uh, like that. Yeah, return, but, uh, return to Swim is the one with the, with the plan linked. Yeah. I, I, I updated another one, um, Stop Catching, Start Throwing, and uh, John wrote a blog. That I did on a Facebook Live earlier, which is return to open water um, racing or open water triathlon. Is it, yeah, open water triathlon event. So let's talk a little bit about open water because that's um, obviously that's now been around for a whole month and people have returned to that. Um, and I mean, first, first of all, uh, it would be remiss of us not to mention with your, I guess, lifeguard and coaching safety hat, hat on the kind of there are risks in terms of open water. Um, so let's not dwell on those, but just remind everybody that you do need to be a little bit careful. Um, I think the big one really is the cold. And it, the, it's not so much the cold and kind of the risk of it, because like, again, I don't want to dwell on that aspect of it. But thinking about it from a return to swim program, uh, program and thinking about it as well as that great example you just said about that walk run, if you're going out to do a walk run program and you're doing it in equivalent of the middle of winter, my guess is you're probably going to wear leggings, a jacket, a base layer, because you're going to be walking, might have a bit of sweat and you're going to get a little bit cold. Yeah. So if you're going to dive in and do open water swim training, first of all, you need to make sure you're going to be warm and there's all the safety aspects of it. But this whole point that you're making here about that relearn how to swim is going to be a lot harder. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. I mean, and you what the big thing I think is like you need you need to jump in. I think with the cold at the moment, it's it's also the fact that you've got the wetsuit around you and it does numb sort of the, the feedback that you're getting from your body because you don't you can't feel the water against your skin. Lots of pool swimmers, you know, don't like the wetsuit for that reason because it robs them of their periphery in terms of the, the feedback in the nervous system. Um, and then if the water's cold and you're, you're um, vasoconstricting, so the blood's not going and you've got that slight numb sensation, then it's reduced even further, um, which, are, which is, is, is not necessarily bad. It's like another challenge. Um, but I think you need to, you know, behave appropriately with it. You know, the old uh, don't swim alone kind of rule always applies. And then I think it's not necessarily the cold the cold has those effects like technically and obviously you can get too cold and get into a hypothermia state it's also the cold shock i think is the big thing that people always miss and the other part of cold shock is obviously after drop as well um where you yeah. can continue to get cold even once you've exited the water um which see which a lot of people just aren't a lot of people aren't aware of cold shock and how that works they're even less aware of after drop um there's a really good video from Athena Symposium a few years ago, um, which I can't remember the name of, but it is out there on the internet. People want to 
to learn all the exact details on this this topic um so i think yeah like with cold shock it's just about making sure that you you dip into the water and then give yourself a a minute or two just to calm your breathing down before entering the water properly um and i think a lot of the the, the way that i would do that is get is to go in dip but then come out and do like your pre-swim so you're not standing there just going well i'm just getting cold now you're coming out and you're being deliberate in terms of the sequencing so you go in rinse your suit make sure you've got it on properly okay well right i'll do some some dry land based stuff now do your bands work do a do a few stability exercise be that um some sort of plank based exercise abdominal oblique exercises um tautness exercises um range of movement in shoulders just making sure everything's on properly and before you know it the two minutes where you just need to calm down a little bit and you're breathing is gone and it's so simple to do and it's like often people avoid getting in and just it's the worst it's the worst thing you can do yeah they get in and then they're like oh, okay i mean i'm gonna swim to that first boy and off they go and yeah and you're halfway there you're in trouble and yeah. i think i mean going back to that relearning point though it, it it doesn't lend itself to getting good quality return to swimming. I'm not going to go as far and say it's going to take longer to get back up to a higher level, but I do yeah. think it's going um, gonna, to gonna make your job a lot harder to take some of the stuff you may have done on dry land or to focus on kind of really building in gently and purposefully. To, it's going to make that a lot harder to do well if you're worrying about temperature. And I, I had a conversation with an athlete uh, the other day that they're in a lido so they are still swimming outdoors it's not heated it's cold mm. um and they're you know they're sat there going oh when can i have proper sessions now i've done sort of a couple of weeks of swimming now in the lido and i was like yeah but you, you can't stop at the end of the lane so kind of what session am i going to set you yeah there are there are things thousand meters straight then get out two you know 1200 meters now get out you know there's, there's not really much you can do because the yeah. person has to stay moving to stay warm so there's also that aspect but there are there are things that you can do about that like there are, there are a few a few companies out there that do thermal vests um which you know it's quite common like people with um circulation problem Raynaud's um you know so they, they're really struggling even in you know the middle of summer there's there is plenty that you can do in terms of like there's nothing wrong to some degree with wearing booties that are going to cause a little bit of drag, but then using a small pool boy to neutralize it. Um, or if, the, if they're cause it, they can, depending on what booties you've got, they can cause a bit too much buoyancy. So you might want to pair, put a pair of socks on over the top was an idea from an athlete earlier today. So it kind of neutralizes, especially for females where their legs coming out of the water can be quite common, especially with really long legs on a wetsuit if you haven't trimmed the wetsuit at all. But then like the thermal vests and the um, neoprene caps can be super useful to extend that. So if I try and cover it from a trying to warm up point of view as well, or maybe make it into, you know, swim runs been amazing um, progress in its events over the last few years. So maybe just do a, it is a proper session, but as a swim, run approach to it or especially if you're swimming in the lake the other thing i'd say about the open water is generally most organized open water lakes early in the year won't put in the boys for their longer loops they'll only put in boys for the shorter loops and there's a reason for that and that happens to work quite well for everything that we've covered this evening and even if they do put the long loop in i'd suggest sticking to the short loop yep definitely um, and then we, we spoke about that with the athletes you, know, you don't need to do an hour session just because you've got an hour's session at the pool if you're trying to relearn things um you know the run walk program coach to 5k you know it's there's progressions in there and you know yeah. you haven't swum for an hour so don't go swimming for an hour just just get out you, you can happily yeah. um happily do that you don't you don't have to complete it there's no prize for like completing the hour like you don't get um you don't get experience points or anything like i think that's a huge thing with athletes like that's a whole nother five hours of ranting to be honest with you, is is the need for, have time for that <laughs> is 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 the need for some sort of prize and reward for doing something all the time 
Like sometimes it's just part of the process. You just got to do the work. It's boring sometimes. So given um, the kind of the feedback that we've had as from our athletes, and then also uh, I guess for, through our own experiences, what what have we learned um, since the lakes have reopened and the um, the pools have reopened about that return to swimming? Lane etiquette is still a problem. <laughs> Maybe that should have been the title of one of the articles that we've written. Here's a reminder of what lane etiquette looks like. You'd, th- you'd think with all the time we've had off, everybody would be a lot more grateful, but still people are griping. I think there's something with swimming and having your head down, especially when you're pushing and you're in your own head. If somebody like knocks you out of it, it's really easy for people to like react and just be, you know, for their grumpy inner self to come out. Um, but anyway, that wasn't quite what you meant with your question. Um, maybe, maybe not. What have we learned? It, it, I think as not, I think I would say it's as not as bad as we all might have expected. I think, to be honest, with you. like personally, I, you know, like, like I said, but also the athletes that I've spoken to, friends, like I say, socially other other tth athletes as well um i think actually there's a as a there's a nice sense of optimism where people might be able to go with their swimming this year um i mean after all this time last year i think i'm correct in saying none of us were swimming no no we were what about six weeks into lockdown yeah so i think that on that bombshell we'd all say we're all swimming better now than we were this time last year there is or more for sure that's uh yeah pretty yeah. um i think yeah that point actually that point around lane etiquette is is kind of a useful one because there is still um there's a, a lot of people wanting to swim and i and i guess because of the new kind of routines and how how you have to go in and changing and and everything else you know actually people are still willing to go and do it so i, I do think it's a good okay. thing for the sport yeah but, and, and you know that lane etiquette and that kind of mad you know the mad rush you get when you get if we can all just try and take that in a positive way and say well actually there's more people swimming we're going to have a better sport as a result of it yeah i've got two mind-blowing points on that with regards to the current rules there is nothing in the world that says just because everybody at your local swimming pool stops and starts at this end doesn't mean you can't do it down the other end which might help from a not getting potentially ill point of view and just is spreads everybody out and makes life easier in terms of lane etiquette regardless of the pandemic or not yeah just like everybody's had it where they're coming into the wall and they're going to turn tumble turn or touch turn and somebody stood right in the middle of the lane it annoys everybody who's who's training or exercising it still annoys everybody but if we all spread ourselves out, either end of the pool, wouldn't that be wonderful because we have to share the space? If it's the deep end, it doesn't really matter. Just tread water, active recovery. It's probably better for you just standing still anyway. Um, especially if it's cold. Especially if it's cold. Yeah, good point. Uh, and then the other thing is, as triathletes, and I've said this hundreds of times to athletes on calls, oh, the lane was busy tonight. I couldn't do my session. Okay. What's the pool going to be like at the pool? Open water going to be like on race day? Oh, you know, there's probably about a thousand people in my wave and, you know, they're all going to be bashing me and none of them care about my session. Good practice. Take it on the chin. And you like as triathletes, especially, I think we need to aim deliberately to manage our inner monkey or our inner lane etiquette um, a grumpy person whatever you want to call it but we need to be able to manage that and respond and react like we should be able to slow down and speed up because that's what happens at boys that's what happens when somebody cuts you across you cross your path that's what happens when you you know you do the polite thing and don't swim over somebody from the previous wave who's a little bit slower and you move around them because well it's blooming horrible to be swam over so don't do it um and the same applies in the lane as well and you need to be I mean, it's a really good point. And I mean, obviously, in theory, there should be social distancing and all that side of things. But, um, you know, swimming blindly down the middle as a triathlete, that's not that's not being a triathlete. That's just being stupid because you're the person who's going to swim off route. Well, it's not so stupid if you're not aware of it, but it's, it's, it's just it's it's slightly ignorant 
maybe, but, but as a triathlete, you should be mega aware of all Yeah, you, exactly. You know, you, you've got an opportunity here to practice. You know, if you've got a busy lane and you're trying to find the gaps to overtake people and stuff and have that awareness of, okay, well, I know there's three swimmers ahead and the, you know, there's then there's a gap, so I'm going to go now. You know, if you can bring that into your training sessions in the pool, that's actually better training than if you were just swimming on your own and, you know, I couldn't hit the paces. Well, no, but you had a great workout in the open water, which this time of year is going to be difficult to, to do anyway. So, yeah, I think that as a triathlete, yes, um, you know, you, you, you might find busy lanes and everything there, but that's an opportunity and you should never complain about it um, because it is, it's a fantastic chance to learn how to be a, a better open water uh, swimmer. And we will very likely return to kind of those math starts. And even if we don't, you're still going to find yourself in a long chain of people you're trying to run, get around and overtake. Yeah, 21st of June, just looking at my notes from earlier today, I think it is. Fingers, presuming, yeah. presuming everything then rolls out the way it should. That's the that's definitely the plan. But um, yeah, I think there's a there's a psychological performance opportunity there when they're in the lanes busy. And I'm I'm just thinking about some of the other stuff that I think um I guess I've got from feedback of my athletes. Um is the surprisingly large number of people who both do want to go and do really cold open water swimming because they want to go swimming and those people who are kind of the inner softies in heart as well and go nope i'm not going to go in the open water because it's cold um and it's never who you think it's going to be it's really quite funny seeing that um the real spread of of people but on a more serious note i think people are learning more a lot of people spending more time open water swimming not going down to their local swimming pool and doing it and i think they're becoming going back to the last point better open water swimmers as which is a triathlete unless you're doing a pool based one um than they would have been had they not been forced through um the kind of find a new place to swim and i think they're getting braver and more confident in some of their open water swimming because of the fact that they've been forced to use that as their main um, swimming venue just getting out of the comfort zone. Totally. And I think that's been a really good thing for, for people to have learned and picked up. Yep. Don't have much to much to add to that. No, I, I think um I was just looking down at my notes and some of the things that people have learned and, and sort of come back on it. And I think that point around actually it is probably not as bad as you think it was going to be if you're in that nervous end or and unconfident end and you're not too sure how swim training is going to go and you've got a big race and that could be your, your first ever sprint distance or it could be a double or triple Ironman or something and you, you know you're like, actually need to be able to go a distance which you, you know slightly terrifies you um but that's that's the thing with that is it's totally possible just by slowing down a little bit but I, it's, it's the old thing isn't it and with a countless teams here everybody jumps in for the warm-up Time the first 100, it'll be roughly their threshold pace. The old, yeah. co the old coach's rule of thumb. It's the ability to swim really slowly is often overlooked, but it's something that actually going back to I, fully looping back to sort of your introduction, if you like, with some of my experience with in in it. Well, not necessarily with, but certainly in an environment where you're surrounded by um, pure swimmers, if you like. Um, certainly working with a private school environment a few years ago then they the big thing that swimmers do is they take their time in the warm-up I mean uh, it, it'd be funny because I can I can almost hear like the swim coaches from a school who you know are, you know going to Commonwealth Games and a very high performance level in swimming and they're they're almost laughing because I or I can hear them laughing because of you know just getting the getting the damn swimmers getting the kids into the pool and getting them to wake up to actually do some swimming whereas we almost have like the opposite problem where it's like no slow down do your pre-pool don't get in yeah go for 400 meters how can we've already finished 400 meters sort of whatever yeah. that is and now i want you to swim really slowly not like i want you to actually wake up and get into the pool and you know stop lounging around do, playing with ferrobands on poolside and get in the pool like you know done your people get in um it's a funny it's a funny flip yeah definitely uh again same thing i'm just thinking back to some of those guys we used to swim with in uh, in portugal and just you know they were their 
warm-ups were properly i mean we could keep up is <laughs> probably a way of putting it <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it's is... more about our lack of good warm-up compared to well, that's the people. thing we were meeting in the middle because we were going off too fast and they were going off too slow so you know there was a colliding of worlds there but we, the less said about those sessions the better I should be. so again maybe there's an opportunity for you know triathletes and swimmers coming back into the waters to refine some of these parts off you know, now's not the time that we're focusing on the main set it's everything before the main set really that we're looking at so you know let's get all those things in place let's make sure we're doing a pre-swim stuff our dry land activation stuff all those things in place and then really good warm-up and then do a little bit of work and that little bit of work is going to gradually expand but if we can get everything else ready to go and do good stuff and do good work then we're going to find our ability to work and do a high capacity of load will come eventually we don't need to rush that at all as if we've set everything up for it to happen simples i like i like the optimism that's the thing i want to like finish on for me really is that everybody seems quite optimistic everybody's enjoying it everybody's finding it's not as bad as they thought it might be yeah i think i think so it's been fun uh, so I think that's everything from from our point of view. Um, as mentioned before, if you want to go check out Alan's um, article on our on the Try Training Harder blog, um, then you can go and have a have a look at that and uh, download a free training plan as well to kind of get yourself back into the water if you haven't already been. Uh, if not, and there's anything else you are thinking, well, actually we haven't really covered this, but you've learned from being in the water again, um, drop us a message. We'd love to hear it. And um, yeah, we, we can uh, we can discuss that as well. So uh, thank you very much, Alan. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time. The Believe, Strive, Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. And show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.